everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 142. We talk about HubSpot lead rotation, testing assumptions, and how to be an introvert in an extrovert world. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your market results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. With me today is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems and my name's Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found. How are you, Craig? Really well. And yes, I just, you've highlighted in the title of the show, but Shot 8 coming up, we've got something for you, Damesh. So stick around for that. That's right. Well, let's get started, Craig. Our inbound thought of the week. You know what? I was, I was uh, reading the HubSpot blog and uh, I noticed these little CTAs. We've got a screenshot in the show notes, but yes. basically under the title under the, and then the author's name, they've got this little button, a CTA, and I was saying, oh, that's is that new? It might, may or may not be new. I don't know. But, I think it is. Right, because uh, normally I read the HubSpot blog in my RSS reader, but anyway, I went and had a look at it. Yeah, and so they've got tailored CTAs just at the top. I'd love to know what the results of that testing are because, you know, we and I, you and I were chatting before and we're going, oh, I wonder how many people click on a CTA at the top of a post when mm. they want to read it and get to the bottom. And I guess they're just testing it. And what is interesting, Pretty prominent, I, yeah. I had a look at another blog post. So there's obviously the CTA at the top. And I thought, oh, maybe it'll open another window. It just opened in the same window. So I was like, okay. Then I went uh, probably after the first couple of paragraphs, there was actually a text CTA in there, pointing to the same one. And then at the end of this blog post that I was reading was an image CTA, which is done pointing to the same landing page. And I thought it was rather interesting. So they've, they've peppered CTAs all the way through this post, hoping that they're going, someone's going to mm. take action at some point. So yeah, interesting strategy. Interesting. Would be, yeah, and well, on desktop that shows. It doesn't show on mobile, so they've it's not as cluttered on mobile, much uh, cleaner. But, yeah, I'd love to know the, the, um, the click-throughs from that. But over on, um, well, this particular one, say it was pointing through to the Academy and they're probably going, oh, man, those blog posts are really driving a lot of traffic with the CTAs. I'd love to know what the bounce is when they, <laughs> they kind of go, oh, hello. It's just clicking the button to see what it, clicked, what it did. Yeah, interesting inbound thought. That's right. So I think, again, we talk a lot about testing and measuring, and I think this is really key to that. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. Now, this is about email database cleanup. Well, it's really about database hygiene, isn't it? It is. We've chatted about this a few times on the show. And uh, you very kindly put, it's uh, keeping your portal minty fresh. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why are we talking about this is, you know, in the past I was like, let's create a list of people that have bounced emails or have unsubscribed perhaps. And now sometimes you might actually want to keep unsubscribed in there because businesses might actually be dealing with customers or people in in that sales process, but they might actually not want any emails. That's right. right. They've unsubscribed from email, but they can't unsubscribe from a phone call. Correct. So, you know, there are things that have to happen and maybe there are people within the team that are actually emailing them. They just don't want any marketing emails, so to speak. I kind of found this unsubscribes and bounced list, right? Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll find that in the contacts. I'm like, no. Because I just happened to stumble upon this support article, right? And I was trying to figure out why are they doing this? And then I thought to myself, oh, there's hard bounces and there's soft bounces, right? And there are other things that obviously, there are people that unsubscribe for various reasons. 
And HubSpot had documented this way of actually cleaning or cleaning your database with this process. Now, this was a bit of a convoluted, I thought it was a convoluted process, but I understand why. And I think hopefully there'll be a better way soon. But it was all around, it was all in the email section where you would actually find it. It was quite hidden. But I think the key is that you're only taking out the hard bounce contacts or you're actually understanding why they're hard bouncing. You might want to keep the soft bounce ones and you might want to keep some of the unsubscribes. And based on this particular criteria is what you filtered lists and created this list to keep things clean. Yeah. All right. So look, I'll just say, I think this process that HubSpot walks you through is ridiculous. And uh, like you, I hope they improve this in the future. So I'll You just, know what? I'll, if I struggle understanding it, I don't know what hope yeah, there is. I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back. So the whole goal is we want to clean the database, get out people that have bounced or unsubscribed. And so your point is, well, surely we can just create a list for that. Well, the thing is, HubSpot, if you try to create a smart list on that, all you can do is say, have bounced. You can't actually differentiate between have they, were they a soft bounce or a hard bounce. Now, we probably should explain the difference. But if you think in general, hard bounce is, oh, they're never coming back. The email's totally churned, let's say. Yeah, so they left, they left the company. Left the they're... company. Soft bounce might be, oh, their inbox is full at the moment. Okay, there's various, there's a whole bunch of different status, but use that as an example. And you might say, well, I only want to get rid of people hard bounce. I don't want to get rid of people soft bounce. Yeah, you can't do it from a smart list. Mm. And we've got this in the show notes. You're absolutely right. You've got to export them out. You've got to look at the in an Excel yeah, spreadsheet. Oh, where are they hard? Oh, and then we'll only keep the ones that hard bounce. Then you've got to import them back in. Yes. So that you can delete and them then out. And delete them out. <laughs> this, it's just ridiculous. It's just re- anyway. I'm sure there must be um, community articles about this. People saying, "Surely you just give us a smart list, uh, a contact criteria for those kinds of things." I don't know. Maybe that was too hard. It's been like that for a while, so there must be a good reason why it's not there. You know, people on the product team—they must just hate people like us that can. <laughs> oh, surely it's easy to do this. It's probably really hard. <laughs> I don't care. I just want the easy well, one. Well, you know now what I'm going to have to do, Craig? I'm actually going to have to go and do this in some portals. Yeah. But I think what well, I Well, no, to- you don't have to. So, Because here's the question. Do you really care whether they're hard or soft bounce? Because I'm going to say, you just create a smart list of anyone that's bounced for any reason. Correct. And as long as they're not a customer or something like that, just That's exactly them. right. So you understanding the business rules behind this is really key because like we say, even if they've hard bounced- they actually still may be a potential customer or contact that the sales team are talking to, and maybe they've misspelled the email or done something incorrectly, right. which I have seen happen before, mm. like misspelled emails. Mm. So really need to, and always what we do is when we extract these lists or we highlight it to the business owners or the sales teams, is have a look through them and actually make contact with that individual if you've already had some sort of interaction or conversation and actually find out why that has happened, why has the hard bounce happened. Mm. So there are many ways to deal with this. Well, well, another way is just to look at engagement. So you can say, oh, did they bounce? Did they unsubscribe? If that's the case, they probably haven't received any emails. So there's no any engagement email, email engagement you can look at. But you can look at website engagement because you'd be surprised the number of people that have unsubscribed from stuff that still come back to your site and look around. So you don't necessarily want to actually delete them out of the database. However, if just different to the business you're talking about, if you're a business that only works on email, 
and they've unsubscribed or they've bound. Well, of course, delete them because there's no benefit. But yeah, if there's other follow-ups, especially in B2B, yeah, keep them if the engagement's there. All right, onto the HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is having capture on lead flow follow-up emails. Can you believe this? So lead flows, we love lead flows. And they've got this follow-up option, which is seems like a good idea. Most of our portals, we don't use it because we're on Pro or above Correct. these workflows for the follow-ups. But if you're on Starter, you can do a follow-up email. But as soon as you add a follow-up email into a lead flow, it actually adds recapture on the form. It baffles me. It's not optional. And... <laughs> I guess they don't want people, bots just hitting um, lead flows and getting emails and, you know, that affects deliverability and all kinds of stuff. But surely make this an option, you know, like like they make recapture an option on comment on, forms and exactly. things like that. Maybe it yeah. should be the same option. But, yeah, anyway, that we've put a link to a community a HubSpot link where you can go and upvote it where someone's saying, please make this an option or take it out. Well, frankly, no one's asking for it. I don't know why it's in there. Again, this must be, maybe it was GDPR or something, or I don't know. But <laughs> the, the end users don't want it. And and the reason this has come up is because one of our clients, we're setting up some stuff last week, that, yes. and we're going, oh, yeah, and here's the lead flow. It sends um, fault. And oh, what's that recapture? Oh, get rid of that. No, we're not showing that to clients. You know, like it's like, it's yeah, not, it's, horrible. Oh, it's not, oh, I'd prefer it wasn't there. It's like, no, turn that off. Correct. And so we actually had to get rid of the follow-up email. But, yeah, crazy. All right, I'll tell marketing tip of the week, Craig. And now this is about using Hotjar, which is a heat mapping recording and feedback tool to actually see how people are interacting with your site. So why I wanted to highlight this as a marketing tip of the week, we're doing some work with a new customer and we were finding they had all of these issues. Their site looks great, by the way. So if you look at it on the surface, which I did when I started, I was like, there's nothing wrong. This is fantastic. The graphics are great. It's really clear to read. And then as I started talking to the people within the business, they're like, oh, this is not working. Or I don't think we're getting the right amount of inquiries. This banner's too big. This form is too long. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I've actually said, well, okay, well, show me the data, right? So they're like, okay, we don't have that data. Well, okay, well, let's put on hot jar and let's see what people are doing so we're doing some heat mapping we're doing some recording of sessions we've got some feedback really simple feedback you know is this page give me a sad face or am i got a really happy face i'm in between and what was really interesting was that the people within the business were actually saying it validated to them a lot of what they were thinking was actually happening was actually happening by watching these recordings and looking where people were clicking and scrolling so that was actually very good feedback for them. We then pushed us to actually go, well, okay, how do we fix this? But in fixing it, we were also trying to understand who the people are that are using it. And one of the really clear things, because they sell commercial equipment, is that a lot of the people that are looking at this site are actually on a desktop. They're not on mobile devices. They're very small. Like we're talking 95 to 5 split right. Right, traffic between mobile and desktop. And I thought to myself, oh, this is really interesting and this is why th- this behavior is being driven because of this reason. So, you know, making changes to form fields about being progressive. Are we asking too much stuff? So a really great example, they were asking someone for their postcode and then say, asking them what state they're in. 
Now, we can make a deduction from the postcode pretty clearly, what yeah. state they're in, right? Yeah. So, really, that was redundant. So, let's get rid of that. You know, if we're asking for spare parts for something, if they're asked for spare parts, they've probably bought something from us. So, we don't need to ask them all these other questions about what machine have you got, you know, tell me where you're from, tell me who your business is. Like, we can cut all that guff out, right? Yeah. So, it's just really interesting when you look at things really closely and observe behavior, the things that you can change will make a massive difference to conversions on your site. But actually what you've done is you've just thought about it. Yes. You've actually put some thought into it (laughs) and you've considered the user experience. Correct. It's about the experience. It is. So just uh, a bit of context for this because uh, I know you inherited this site so it wasn't as though you built it in the first place. But what's interesting is that the owners or the business management team, they kind of had a sense that it wasn't working and yet the previous agency hadn't looked into that and they were going, no, no, it works. And it probably did fit best practice and good design. It's just that the audience for it, they don't care about what's best practice. They care about themselves, right? And so I think that's a really important point. You've actually said, well, actually, we're going to use Hotjar. We're going to see what the users are doing and use that to inform our design rather than what we think is the best. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's so hard to get out of our own mindset sometimes, isn't it? Correct. And I think this is a really clear indication of testing and measuring and using the data to get a better result. All right. On to HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. Doing lead rotation in a workflow. Wow. Now that's got to, that's got to get our <laughs> listeners sitting up bolt upright in their seats with excitement. Talk us through it. Now, let me take a step back. This is if you have a sales professional or sales enterprise, you can do this, right? So if you don't have that, you can tune out, enjoy running on the beach or do whatever you want. Yeah, wait for shot eight. Yep. That's right. What I wanted to highlight here was you can basically rotate leads. So somebody fills out a form, comes in, you could, you've got a sales team of five. You can say, I want to rotate the lead to anyone on that team, right? Or certain individuals. No, they have to have paid seats. So they've got to have this sales license. What was really interesting that I wanted to highlight, which I wasn't aware of when I, as I was doing this for a customer, is that rotating your leads with a workflow will evenly distribute incoming contacts to a specified contact owner. The next part, the lead rotator will randomly assign leads to whichever owner has the lowest lead count. So when you're thinking about this, right, this is what I'm like, hang on, I thought this is evenly distributed. But no, it's actually evenly distributed to the person with the lowest lead count. So if someone in the system has more leads than the other salesperson, it'll actually try to rebalance everything with the lead rotation. That's really cool. Yeah. I just want to make it aware because you might, when I thought about this before, when I actually thought I understood this, how this works, it is not how it works. (laughs) And that's why it is... The sales feature of the week. That's right. I just thought of a great, great little cheat, right? Say you're you're on the sales team. You want all the leads because someone... That's right. Don't put your leads into the CRM. <laughs> well, no. All you do is you create two users. So you've got your pro one, your, free, uh, you know, your paid one, which is your main one. And then you create another user if you have admin rights, which just is, whenever you get a lead assigned to it, you just assign You reassign it to, them out the assign other Assign it way? to your other login. And then you just get all the evening out... 
<laughs> I wonder how they handle that. Oh, Craig. Yeah, someone, Taking it to a whole other level. Well, I someone think. who's in charge of setting up that workflow for the lead rotation. What's this other person? There's two, two Craigs here. What's going on? Oh, it's called schnubs, isn't it? Yeah, schnubs. <laughs> the extra. All right. On to our insight of the week, Craig. And this is about running pain versus benefit versions in your messaging. Okay, here's another example of test and measure. So we've got a corporate client, a sophisticated audience, running a whole bunch of campaigns. This is firstly on Facebook, then we're just starting with them on LinkedIn at the moment. So we did a whole bunch of banners. We've got six that are uh, are pain messaging, you know, pain avoidance. Um, And then we've got six banners that are around benefits. Yeah, of a particular service product. Of this actual um, service. Uh, And so we ran them and I was like... I wonder what the response would be. I know I had a an assumption. My yeah, assumption, and my assumption was that the pain yeah would be the one that won. I assumed that a pain pain avoidance one would work as well. Correct. And what are you finding, Craig? It's all benefit, like by a factor of yeah, probably like multiples. Yeah, by yeah, like now probably why, ten to one. Why is that, Craig? Well, I don't know why. I have some theories. Yeah, but um, which I'll get so to in theory, a second. So your theory said we were talking about this earlier. One of the theories is again coming back to understanding of who this audience is. Yeah, and what is important to them is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, they're a sophisticated audience. Yes, so they, they're well educated. Yeah, so probably yeah. they're a bit cynical about pain focused yeah. messaging and yeah. they're like no that's you know i can look past that and benefits it's appealing to you know kind mm. of aspirational where i want to be yeah as a senior more successful person yes. it's probably more aspirational and it's working and um that's what we're finding but the point is it's test and measure and if we'd gone in with our assumptions i would have been oh, no, push pain push pain kind of thing but just another example never assume anything test and measure that's right all right podcast of the week craig perpetual traffic yeah, this is we've mentioned this a couple of times on the show. Well, many times on the show, but uh, a, a really good episode. We're going to highlight episode uh, one seventy three, where they had ten Facebook best practices. Now, I haven't listened to this episode, but one thing that I picked up from talking to you about it, as the listener of this podcast, and I've listened to this, listened to other episodes. Well, you put me onto this podcast yes, I did. way back when, yeah. One thing I picked up from you is that moving. So one of the key things is that you can start at the bottom of the funnel with your strategy, right? So running campaigns for bottom of the funnel, then middle of the funnel, then top of the funnel. So basically what they were indicating is if it's not working at the bottom, keep working your way up. And as you were talking about that, it made me realize because we've been observing this across Google ads and Facebook is that when there's not enough data to do what you need to do, we're finding things just don't go anywhere. And so this really highlights how the importance of understanding where you should be targeting in this flywheel slash funnel. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's keep with the funnel for now. So I'll give you an example just so that listeners can understand where this is coming from. Let's say you run an e-commerce store. Yes. You're starting some Facebook ads. You might start with push to sell, purchase intent, you know, promoting a product, special buy. Yes. So the conversion you want is a purchase. Correct. And uh, you might start, but maybe your budget's not big enough to do full testing because obviously when you've got a huge budget and a huge amount of data behind it, Facebook's very good at the targeting. And in fact, all we do these days is go, right, Facebook, you work it out, you know, conversion-based campaigns. But then the question is, well, what's if we don't have a big enough budget to Mm. have, well, let's say say you want to get 100 conversions in a couple of days to actually 
for Facebook to have enough data. It's like, yeah. well, we don't have budget for that. So their whole point is, well, just move up the funnel a bit. Maybe it's not purchase because that's a much more expensive activity, but maybe it's more just awareness or clicks. Mm. So at least if you're getting 100 clicks through the site, that's a bit more data. Facebook could work on it. So yes. based on your budget and how much data you can get or how wide your audience is, by the way, just move further up the funnel more to awareness than down to the purchase intent and i think that's a really good tip now that was only one from the show uh, you can actually listen to the podcast and get another nine they were really good yeah so i think that's that's really good and as things shift in the space that we operate in i think it's really important that we understand how things are working and why they work like that so we can alter what we do to take advantage of it all right craig i'm really excited about this Resource of the week. <laughs> so this is for you, Damesh. So are you an introvert? And you know how Damesh uh, said it. He says that all the he time. He's inbound. He yes. identifies as an introvert, and I agree. I'm, I'm uh, well, I, I, I kind of, in the spectrum, I'm more to the center. I'm not a, um, quite strongly introvert. Uh, more ambivert, but definitely introvert tendencies. Um, Damesh is quite in the introvert spectrum. My wife is very much in the introvert spectrum. And uh, she's written a book uh, called How to Be an Introvert in an Extrovert World. And this is based on one of her sites, Louder Minds, which is a massively popular site and Facebook page and group and that, a community for introverts. Yes. And uh, she's been writing a blog for my last four, couple of years. Four or five years, yeah. yeah. Introverts, it's very popular, but she's uh, put a lot of that learning into a book. And uh, it's now available. It's available everywhere. Amazon. We've got a few Amazon links, Amazon UK, Amazon Australia, Amazon US. Apple also Books. Apple Books. It's everywhere. You can get it in bookstores. So if you're an introvert, and I know a lot of agency owners are. In fact, <laughs> they hide up the back in the in the Sydney hugs, don't they? That's right. Um, they do. So we're going we're to fish about this week. Yeah, and that's right. Actually, the Sydney hugs coming up. As we record this, it'll probably yeah. be over by the time this goes that's live. That's right. And you would have missed a great night. Anyway, Damesh, I hope you'd like this. We'll send you a copy. I thought very aptly, Craig, the quote of the week should be from this fantastic book that I've been flicking through. And there's actually lots of gold in here, but I just thought one of the things I want to highlight that Michelle talks about is how to embrace depth, right? She talks about friendship, social media, hobbies, personal style, dining loyalty, fitness, And I wanted to highlight the part on social media because being a marketing podcast that we are, I thought maybe I'll do two of it. So I put an excerpt in the show notes, but I just wanted to share this. Uh, Here's a bit about social media. When you're a writer, you feel the pressure to be on every social media platform. Certainly the latest ones where apparently everybody is. Definitely those cool ones where that thing you don't really understand is happening, like big time. I feel the pressure for sure, but I've chosen to take a minimalist approach and focus mostly on my blog, Facebook and Instagram. No doubt I miss out on the potential audiences by limiting my social media channels, but the stress and faint sense of desperation I feel when I extend myself further on social media is not worth it to me. Much better to be authentic and sane with fewer followers and readers like you. So the takeaway from that, Craig, is look at what you're doing and are you actually spreading yourself too thin and causing yourself angst? Are you actually doing what's good with 
well on those platforms. All right. On to our bonus links of the week, Craig. Oh, look, a bunch of them there. Actually, we probably won't go into them, but uh, just wider reading on the advertising and digital media industries at large. Yeah, and this is really interesting. You've got some stuff from Wall Street Journal, from Gartner, and from the New York Times. So, you know, these are, these are all things that are actually happening and how our industry is being shaped and transformed. And I think it's really important if you're looking after strategy and you're looking after driving forward that you understand what's going on. Now, we'd love you to rate, review, and leave feedback for us as, as it actually helps us serve you better and it would also help us reach more people. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.